Welcome to In the Room. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City. And I am Scott Holthouse. Uh, I am very skilled at vacuuming. Really? Yeah. Is that really something you, you're like you good at? Yeah, I like to line up all the lines. Wow. <laughs> that is like... That reaction. Some beautiful mind stuff. That, <laughs> that reaction was like... <laughs> it was like... Wow, you're so much more strange than I thought you were, which is saying a lot. It is. So the good news is today. Yeah. Have we got a treat for the people? Oh, man. Because we have two treats. Two treats. Number one, they get to hear a conversation that I had with Pastor Mark Dever, the pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Yeah. And uh, I think founder of Together for the Gospel mm-hmm. and like Nine Marks, Nine Marks, and a bunch of other awesome, cool stuff. Yeah. But in addition to that, before we get to that conversation, we're just going to talk through the day we had. It was an experience. It was an experience. So the way that this came to be was uh, I, let's see, I had commented on one of Dever's posts on Instagram or something like that. And yeah. He had asked me where I was and we had a sort of a connection through a mutual uh, acquaintance. And uh, so I messaged him on Instagram. I was just like, hey, would you ever, you know, be willing to come on in the room? And he said, absolutely. And we're like six hours from there right now. Yeah. And so I messaged him and just said, hey, would it be cool if we came up and, and interviewed you in person? He said, absolutely. Come up. We'll have lunch. I was like, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Mark Dever just gave me his email. Yeah. And his cell phone number. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Right. I didn't think anyways. Yeah. I don't even... Do you have my cell phone number? <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, you do. Yeah, I don't know what it is, though. I don't just... If you, I don't, I, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I could not... I, no. Gun to my head. I'd be like, yeah. take the shot. Hey, I can't tell you. Just pull the trigger, this. man. Yeah. yeah. So, we, uh, we got it all scheduled. All worked out. You, me, and Tyler. We drove up to D.C. Yeah. to spend a day with the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Dever. Six-hour drive. Six-hour drive. We started at 5 a.m. Which, so the day before, uh-huh. you had gotten, you had driven 12 hours. I had, back from Chicago. Back from, and the day before that, I had. Yes. So. A lot of driving. We put some miles. We did. On vehicles. So we were supposed to meet uh, Pastor Dever, the reverend. Yes. At 1130. Yeah. For lunch. I said we'll leave at five, giving us no, no, no. I think we're supposed to meet. You gave us exactly the, enough time. Like if you were to type into Google Maps right now, how long it would take you to drive six hours? Yeah, and then you had an appointment. Also, just so you know, when you type that into Google Maps, it says it takes you six <laughs> hours to drive six <laughs> hours. Just so you know. Yes, if you were to type in a location, yes. and it says six hours. Yeah, that's how much time I gave and us. And then you left with exactly six hours. Yeah, no room for bathroom breaks, <laughs> nothing. So the good news and is... And the good, good news is DC doesn't have any traffic or anything. Yeah, no, none at all. And Tyler drove like a madman. <clears throat> yes. And uh, you guys were like, oh, you're so dumb. I can't believe you did that. And we pulled it to Capitol Hill Baptist. Perfect time. It was remarkable. It was, it was remarkable. The whole time, I'm like, we're going to be late. And right. we're pulling right on time. So we get there... And uh, we, somebody met us in the parking lot, took us up to Dever's study, yep. which if you don't follow Mark Dever on Instagram, you should. He's got an awesome study that's just filled with books. Yeah. So we go up there and we uh, meet him, chat with him for a few minutes, and then he takes us to lunch Yep. in his minivan. Yep. We get in the Honda Odyssey. Is had, that what it was? It was a Honda Odyssey. We had to lunch. We sit down <clears throat> and, uh, and he clearly walks in and knows 
everybody, most everybody there, which I've always really heard about him that he is uh, very committed to personal evangelism. And he told us one of the ways that he does that is by being a regular at this restaurant. Yep. I mean, he knew everybody. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. But we sit down and so he orders, we, we order food and um, he and I both got the salmon. Yep. And I remember yeah, it was I, really good. Yeah. And he got these little dumpling things. Yeah. I didn't eat those. And they were great. Yeah. I, I could tell. They were great. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was like, don't, don't eat more. Cause I don't want to be that guy. Who's like, he's like, what, what's wrong with your yeah. buddy eating all yeah. my dumplings? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we eat lunch, have a conversation. It's great. I, I had, what so, did you, you mentioned like well, the worship well, order before we left? I had, he gave me a copy of their uh, service from Sunday. Yeah. And they, they print out like a bulletin, put print out a bulletin with the hymn, um, the hymns in it, just, just all of that stuff. And so he gave that to me. Mm-hmm. Great. Looking it over as we go. And so I was just asking him some questions about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you this, how you did, you know, and it gets to the point. He's like, I tell you what, and Tyler was there mm-hmm. and he goes, I tell you what, Tyler, uh, are you a good driver? <laughs> and, and I mean, I don't know anyone who answers that question. No. Although Tyler is the scariest driver on the planet. <laughs> that's true. And he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, yeah, that's probably true. We love you dearly. And it's yeah. true. Um, and, but it's just such an odd question yeah. to be asked. And, Will and, you drive my car yes. through a city you don't know? You, yeah, it, Known for his traffic. The the leading evangelical minds sits in the back seat (laughs) with you. Sits in the back seat with me. And tell us what happened on the way from the restaurant back to Capitol Hill. Pastor Mark sang me through the whole order of service. Straight up, word for word, every hymn, every song. There's there's multiple things that impress me, but two things in particular. One, so he plans every single service. Yeah. And he does it like he showed me the legal pads. Mm Mm-hmm. And he has the legal pads from like 96 or whatever, whenever he landed there. Yep. Plans them all out. Showed me his uh, bookshelf full of hymnals. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yep. Uh, so he he had all of these, he, he had planned all these. And, and obviously he works with the team as well. But um, uh, so he sang me through them mm-hmm. and knew them all. And the second thing I think you're going to say is he's got a great voice. Yeah, great voice. Sounded great. Yeah, it was awesome. And he knew him all by heart. I mean, yeah. I was just like, it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah. Sang. So then we get back. Yep. And I have the conversation with him. Yeah. And it was, it's just, just so everyone's prepared. It's the worst conversation interview See, that I've done. And and maybe if you just listen to it, you might feel like, oh, he's giving him a hard time or this or that. But we had just spent a couple hours joking, mm-hmm. laughing. Yeah. Uh, I would say Mark Dever is one of the funnier people. I mean, he just absolutely great sense of humor, yeah. super warm. And I, he said at, at in the car on the way to lunch, Ryan, just did. so you know, I'm I'm known for being one of the most difficult people to interview. <laughs> he did, and I was like, cool, maybe say that before I drive awesome. six hours. Awesome, and so because he was very difficult, he was. I go just so people know. I usually go into at this point. I go into most of my uh, conversations or interviews, whatever you want to call them, with a, with on average about 10 to 12 questions. Yeah. And I've learned that 10 to 12 questions, I, I can I can go for 45 minutes on that. Yeah. Just having conversations. Just they're, they're like, well, I had like 15 questions for, for Dever, and I think the interview was like 22 <laughs> minutes long. Yeah. Because He's, he basically uh, answers every question with like one word. Yeah. 
or one like super just well well crafted yeah. sentence and he's like that yeah, and i feel it. fine voicing a little bit of my discontent <laughs> right now because he's very aware of what he's doing he is but it was I, on purpose i thought it was awesome because of the because you like watching me get sweaty no because because of it was it was similar to how the day had gone just yeah. as far as yeah it was fun having fun to get all totally. that stuff so we do that yes it was this was the day of the eclipse. Yeah, the solar eclipse. Right. You so heard, he takes us clearly. with a bunch of their pastoral interns and their staff. He lets us come up on the roof of Capitol Hill Baptist, which yeah. you've never been there, literally is on Capitol Hill, yeah. right in the middle of the city. We watch the eclipse overlooking down like all of Washington, yeah. D.C. Capitol's it was amazing. right there. Yeah, it, it's, it was unbelievable. Helicopters flying by left and all right. All over the place. Did you look at, did you look at it with, with the, looked, without the things? I looked at it twice. Did you really? Guess what, folks? I'm doing just fine. <laughs> I can still read. Okay. Just yeah, fine. Just fine. Uh, but yeah, we watched we watch the eclipse. Yep. So then, <clears throat> then, during the eclipse, he's got like a guy who's making a phone call for us. He sets up for us a private tour of the Capitol building. Yeah. Unbeknownst to, I mean, it's not like we had like, hey, let's do lunch and can you hook us up with it? Spectacular. Totally. Hey, these guys are in town. So we go over there, we meet a young staffer yeah. who goes whoa, to whoa, Capitol whoa, Hill. Whoa, 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 whoa. First, what we went to the Library of Congress. We did. And what I desperately wanted to do, yeah. although I wasn't as strongly supported yeah. by Ryan or Tyler, I wanted to ask if I could see a copy of Eight Hours or Less. Yeah. It's a library. Right. Surely I can rent a book. Yep. I'm a citizen of this country. Right. And so I was waiting in line to because ask. Because your theory is that the Library of Congress has every book ever published. I think it does. I'm pretty sure it does. Now, I learned through uh, Wikipedia, mm -hmm. they don't actually have it in that building. Okay. There's like a bunch of sites. Yeah, that that'd be like up, such so. a big building. <laughs> it would be pretty big. <laughs> um, but I was waiting in line to ask this lady who worked there about yep. it. And these guys were like, dude, don't, no, no. Yeah. And then I didn't. I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to see it. I didn't want the embarrassment of I wanted you her right there. looking it up and she's like, yeah, like seven people read this book. <laughs> I, I wanted so you right there. So we keep this in like, yeah. you know, Excuse me, I don't miss. know. Uh, surely you know who this is. <laughs> um, you have his book here. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't happen. So, so then we get to go on our, our tour. Yes. Right. Of the Capitol building. Yeah. Which was. Uh, and the offices that they work in, which is separate. Yeah. It was way. spectacular. Yeah. So we got to tour all around. There's like a subway it, system. And it was an aide uh, to Senator Ben Sass. Yep. And so vote for uh, Senator Ben Sass. Yeah, purely on the fact yeah. that his aide gave us a yeah. tour. No, he's I, I he's know enough Nebraska, about him right? to know he's he yeah he seems yeah. to be a well equipped equipped leader doing great stuff. Yeah, and his aides are very generous with their time. Oh man, he was. I mean, it was probably he probably spent an hour with us, right? Yeah, yeah. it was incredible. And he used to give tours, so he knew yeah. everything. Oh, he was so was knowledgeable. Awesome. So yeah. we did that. Yeah. Then we decide we're here. Uh, had you been to, you'd been to DC in junior high like I had. Tyler had never been. Yeah. We're all massive West Wing fans. So we're yes. like, we got to see the White House. Yeah. So we walk over to the White House and uh, we took some pictures yep. out there. You can still find those in our Instagram feeds mm -hmm. at Ryan Hughley yeah. at Scott Holthouse. That's right. I think and mine was on my story though. So. Oh, really? That was a dumb place to put you. it. Yeah. So we saw the White House. Yeah. And uh, then we went to the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, yeah. Just Washington. Like seven, seven mile walk. Washington Memorial. Yeah. And then the Lincoln. Yeah. It was real sweaty. Which at that those point. aren't, those aren't close. They close. might look close. It's not close. But when you have your own two feet, they're not super right. close. So mind you, this day started 
our plan was to have lunch yeah. with Mark Dever, interview him, hit the road by two o'clock. We're out. We're home by Back like by eight, eight or nine, nine o'clock. Yeah. But we got excited. But well, we got excited, and it seemed like fate was just dealing us some totally. good cards. So we're like, "Hey, let's! I'm all in. Let's, let's keep, ride this let's wave. Keep going. Let's, let's keep ride playing. this wave. Another hand. So we decided we take a cab mm-hmm. after we saw the Lincoln Memorial. Back to uh, Capitol Hill Baptist, where we had had the car. Yep. We said goodbye to Pastor Mark. Yep. He gave us books because yep. he's sweet. And uh, we had a great time with him. And so then at this point, it's like 5 o'clock. Yeah. And we decide, well, we got to eat dinner before yeah. we hit the road. Starving. Super hungry. So there was this place called uh, like the Whiskey Tavern or something like that yeah. that we were looking for. They had, But it had a real small menu, and we were super hungry. And so we had driven to this place and we're like, oh, nothing looks great. And then we were walking by yeah. this place called Mr. Henry's that had <laughs> two guys, two guys were sitting in the window eating these burgers that looked amazing. Yeah. And then it had like, it's Burger Monday, half price burgers. It was a Monday. Right. That's again, fate was like, go here. This is where you're supposed to go. So we did. Right. Providence controlled this day. It did. It controls every day. Just especially this one. Especially this the one. The dial was turned up. I don't know up. if it was the eclipse. It was turned up. It was turned was, up to it was eleven. At, it was at an eleven. It was a spinal tap reference, by the it way. It was. So we go into Mr. Henry's, and I'm not sure exactly how to proceed with right, this so part of the story. First thing, our our waiter come. Mm-hmm. Our waiter came, yep. and he was a guy, and yep. he was great, and super sweet, super efficient, competent. Yes, and probably more more flirtatious than I would have been yeah. to another man. Yeah. That's cool. That's and a, that's a fair way to say and, it. And I don't like to make assumptions based on maybe how somebody looks or speaks yeah. based on their That's a good principle. Yes. But I'm like mm. man, he was friendly. He was really friendly, friendly and really pushing like more food on me. Yes. To order. I, he he said like yeah. you know like you're fit, you can eat more. Like, sk- that, that I believe, the, I believe the word was you're skinny. Yeah, which is not, which is just like factually inaccurate, (laughs) but go. (laughs) So we're eating, Mm -hmm. another waiter comes by, similar, similar, similar vibe, similar vibe. And I'm looking around and and I see, yeah, there are two guys eating burgers there. Mm -hmm. And those are two guys eating burgers there. And Mm -hmm. not like I'll meet a buddy after work, but like two guys like on a date, on a date. on a date together. Yeah. All right, like again, like cool, mm-hmm. and and then so then the big the big finish the big Tyler's yes. coming out of the bathroom yes at the back of the restaurant, and our waiter stops him yes in the hallway and asks where we're all going to be parting together yeah. that night what do you, or what are you guys doing what yeah. are you guys doing in D.C. Yep. Oh yes, and yes, he yes. Said, he had said we were interviewing a pastor, a, pastor. a Baptist pastor yes. at that. And this guy was just so like, why in so the world would you ever talk to a Baptist pastor? Yes. And then asks, he had made the assumption that you and I were a couple. That we were married based on our wedding rings. That's right. And uh and then I think had then made the assumption that then he and Tyler were gonna go on a date that night. That some some party was going to happen. At which point, Tyler backpedaled hard <laughs> and said, oh, no, we have to get back tonight, and those guys have wives, and we have to leave this establishment. <laughs> he sits down, and at that point, we were wondering. He like, came back so shell-shocked from the bathroom. It's like in Along Came Polly when his friend sharts. Yes. And uh, 
And he's like, dude, we got to go. Oh, he's all shaken up. Hey, we got to We got to go right now. We got to go right now. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was like, Defcom five. And he's we like, have got to leave. So he explains it. So we so we we leave. We pay. We leave, Mister Henry's. Yeah. And we look it up. And sure enough, sure enough, right on Google, the description is Mister Henry's, a gay friendly burger, burger bar. bar. So we. That's ad- how we, we finished that. Finished yeah. the day. Now I'm going to go ahead and say. Mr. Henry's, if you're looking for a good burger in D.C., it was spectacular. Hit it up, man. Go for it. It was so good. It was great. Great service. And the staff is super friendly. Super friendly, especially if you're skinny. Yep. Um, That's not not true. I'm not skinny. Yeah. So we did that. And then do we need to talk about what happened after after we had giant burgers, what you were still hungry for? My theme on this show is honesty and disclosure. (laughs) Uh, After my... After the burger... And fries, and mm-hmm. I felt like, well, I need to wash it down with a milkshake. Yeah. So we got on our phones and looked up. So where's some milkshakes? Yeah. Just need a milkshake. That's it. Shake Shack. Turns out there's a Shake Shack. Yeah. Well, which if you you've never had about Shake Shack, not only have milkshakes, but they have amazing burgers, which you ordered. Yes. After your your burger. Yes. Yeah. I had two dinners in a row. Yes. Uh, and it was absolutely worth it. It was good because it was. I had one bite. Top three burger. In, in your life. life? In my life. That's that's good. It was very, very good. What are your top three burgers? Uh, in and outs number one. Yeah, which there's two of those in Salt Lake. Holla! Booyah! Number yeah. two... Number two might be Portillo's. Oh, for sure. Very good. Yeah. And then number three would be a tie between Shake Shack and Five Guys. Shake Shack, mm. I thought was a little bit better, but I've had more of Five Guys, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I'd have so. to have a, a full Shake Shack experience. Yeah. But my top two are for sure Portillo's and In-N-Out. Yeah. Uh, so we, we hit up Shake Shack. We get in the car and we drive home. Drive home. Get home about 1230. Got home super late. Let me tell you, a six-hour drive when you're anticipating a full fun day mm-hmm. flies Not by. Not bad. Six-hour drive after the day. Horrible. Is the worst thing ever. Yeah, it was really bad. I finished us out. Uh, we all split up the driving that day. You did. I finished this out, and I just kept thinking, I can't fall asleep, so I'm going to kill my friends. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't. That's a good motivator. I didn't. We made so, it. So all that to say, the interview that we bring to you today was well-earned. Yep. And uh, it's the worst interview I've ever done. It's not. It's not. It was good. And uh, it, was an, it was a sp- spectacular experience. It was amazing. It was and so fun. I do want to say, not because he's probably ever going to listen to this, yeah. but thank you to Mark Dever, who yeah. was extremely generous with his time, but yeah. also just so fun. Yeah. Uh, obviously, people know he's brilliant mm-hmm. and, and all of that stuff, but he is so warm and uh, just treated us exceptionally well. Invited me to come well. to the Weekender. In September, could stay at his house. Like, just, I just unbelievably wonderful. kind and gracious to yeah. us the whole time. It wonderful. was awesome. So, so, all that to say, why don't you go ahead and come on in the room for my conversation with Mark Dever? So, when did you come to faith? Let's start with that. I became a Christian, I think, as a teenager, early teenagers. Okay. So, grew up in Kentucky. Yeah. Is that right? Did yeah. you live in Kentucky your whole life? Yeah. And then you went to Duke, uh, undergrad at Duke. Yeah. What was your first degree in? Double majored in medieval history and New Testament studies. Okay. And so then went from there to uh, Southern? No. Okay. Why don't you Gordon just Conwell. walk? Gordon Conwell. And then? Southern. Southern. Are you going to do this the whole time? 
Answer your questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me about how you got to Capitol Hill Baptist. Uh, I was living in England, mm-hmm. uh, pastoring a church there, teaching for the university, and I had a job offer back here in the States. Okay. And a friend asked me to preach here. I preached here, and the Lord turned my heart to the situation. Excellent. What were some of the biggest challenges coming in? What was the, how was the church different now than what it was? Now, it's mainly younger people, and mm-hmm. it's full. Then it was mainly older people, and it was fairly empty. Okay. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced coming in? To they had just lost their pastor through uh, a sexual immorality. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it, I, I don't want to be too dramatic in saying it's, it's like, you know, a friend being abused. Uh-huh. But it's, uh, they were a sweet elderly congregation, but mm-hmm. they had really just been treated not well by more than one of their pastors. Yeah. So they were, you know, in retrospect, really godly and kind, mm-hmm. not always that discerning. Yeah. You could say thus they called me as their pastor, but you know. <laughs> anyway, they took a risk on a young man. Yeah. What does it look like for you? Uh, I think we're able to read a lot of your... Because Ryan, at the time, I was 32 years old, and I don't know about you, where you're mm-hmm. standing these days, yeah. but I would consider that young. Yes. Well, I'm 37, so I'm much, I, I didn't say much how older old than 32. I've yeah. matured significantly no, in these I last five the, years. The hairstyle alone suggests, <laughs> suggests maturity. Yes, it does. So what does it look like for you um, to care for... Are you going to interrupt me? Well, I, I was just saying, I don't think normally someone who's, who's younger is as concerned with the calorie intake as you were at lunch. But anyway, that's... <laughs> I, I've, I, I'm just getting off the track. And typically, here. someone older like you could be more concerned about well, their calorie so intake true. at lunch. But you know, then one has to think of heaven coming, and that's true. Why delay these joys? You that's know? true. Anyway, good. This is going really well. I feel good about where we're headed and where we're at. <laughs> so we're able to read a lot about. You write a lot about ecclesiology, a lot about the church. Um, I haven't read or heard a ton from you about what it looks like for you to just care for your own soul. Yeah. So can you just? Tell me a little bit about what that looks like for you practically. Nothing unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, start each morning with reading the Bible, praying, mm-hmm. pray for myself, my family, mm-hmm. my day, uh, and then through a couple of pages of our membership directory. Okay. Um, pray through the passage that's going to be preached on this coming Lord's Day. So mm-hmm. what I read this morning, I'm not preaching this coming Sunday at church. Bobby Jameson is, the mm-hmm. associate pastor. So, But I read that passage. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of me preaching. It's what, I, what I'm going to hear preached, whether I'm preaching or not. Um. And then just trying to have uh, good, honest, open relationships with supremely, fundamentally with my wife, mm-hmm. but then also with just friends and yeah. guys that I work with. Yeah. And then you have two children grown two now out of the house. Yeah. But yeah. when you think back to especially, I know one of the things that young pastors and young ministry leaders who have kids still in the home, yeah. one thing that's really dif- can be difficult is balancing uh, ministry and family life yeah. and trying to do both of those well. Yeah. Um, any advice that you have now that you're past that phase um, think, that you know, would that, give to young... I think the same advice that I had that I tried to take, and I took imperfectly, but I did try to take it, is... Uh, make sure your family knows their priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that, you know, if you can protect that dinner to bedtime mm-hmm. most nights of the week, probably not every night, but yeah. most nights of the week, yeah. you should definitely do that. If you do it every night, great, but certainly most nights of the week, yeah. uh, unless you're traveling. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. We're, I know one of the things that you are really well known for uh, having a passion for and practicing is just personal evangelism in your own life. And I know that that can take different forms for different people, but what does evangelism, how does that play itself out in your life um, here in your neighborhood and church? Yeah, it's hard as a pastor. I mean, I think, you know, you would know this. It's one of the, one of the, one of the main things you give up is easy access to non-believers. When I was sure. a, a PhD student, it was incredibly easy. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and one of the hardest things about becoming a pastor is saying like, right, I will step behind the front lines with mm-hmm. my daily work hours mm-hmm. in order to supply the church of God. Uh, so that's that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Having said that, I get to preach the gospel every Sunday right. to lots of people, including yep. lots of non-Christians who are there. Wednesday, last Wednesday night after Bible study, this woman comes up to me, identifies herself as a, as a Hindu. And we have a great conversation about Jesus mm-hmm. and was able to, I think, be helpful to her. Um so I'm given it in advance. Now, when I'm sitting next, sitting next to somebody on an airplane, mm-hmm. I have to decide, do I tell them I'm a pastor or not? Yeah. Because I tell them I'm a pastor, that can shut them down. Yeah. But, you know, one time out of four, it can really open them up, and they can give you a lot of questions. Right. So, yeah, I just pray. And then sometimes I just fail. I just don't, I don't say anything, or I mm-hmm. don't say enough. I just, I'm, I'm, I make excuses about being tired, or I don't think they're interested, or... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if they put the headphones in, as soon as they sit down, you know, I, I'm not going to jerk the headphones out. So. <laughs> right. That probably won't be helpful. Well, yeah, maybe, but. Um, so it's trying to uh, take walks to the neighborhood, see my neighbors, speak mm-hmm. to them by name. Uh, I think earlier in our time here, my wife and I were getting to know them by having them over. A lot of them are still here. Some of them I've done Bible studies with for years, mm-hmm. uh, non-Christians. Um yeah, it just varies from one. We we just went to a restaurant where I often go. Yeah. So I know a lot of the wait staff there. Knows shared that. the gospel with a lot of them. Some of them have been to our church. So. Yeah. So we're sitting in your study right now, filled with books. I know that reading. I think I read. I was reading your Wikipedia page this morning, which is a big achievement that you have okay. a Wikipedia page. So well done on that. Um, but one of the things it said about you was that on the first. Have you read your Wikipedia page? You know, uh, Justin Sock, a friend of mine, pointed out some time ago. I've not certainly I've not read it recently. Okay. It's not in my mind. I can't tell well, you. If what's you read there. it daily, that might be a sign of severe <laughs> narcissism. So. Hey man, I check my Twitter. So that's, <laughs> that's is that, true. Is that that's any true. different? Really? I mean, <laughs> so I believe that your Wikipedia says that uh, before the age of ten, you were reading like the Encyclopedia Britannica and Harvard some kind of Harvard classic books. But my point is that books have clearly always been a significant part of your life. That's true. So at this phase, are you very strategic about the way that you read? Do you read in categories? What place does reading hold in your life? Uh, reading of the kind you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, when I get, before I get to sleep, I'll read things like, did George Washington have wooden teeth? You know, well, the mm-hmm. answer is no. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. I'll read history kind of stuff for yeah. more for fun. Uh, but the more serious reading uh, is usually for airplane flights or vacation. Okay. Because during the week, uh, it might be for my day off, but then sometimes with my day off, I end up doing things like this. Yeah. Or reading intern papers. So that's what I'm spending all my time reading, intern papers. <laughs> God bless the interns. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about the intern thing because anyone who follows you on Instagram, this is where I first noticed this, but almost all of your Instagram pictures, uh, it's clear as you travel that you have young men with you all the time. Yeah. And so it's... The old men are so much work and they need their Zimmer frame or their special diet or they can't stay out late or... So I have a lot I'm, of those I'm just, things. I'm just not so... left with a lot of options. I got to take true. the young ones. That's true. Yeah. So why, why is that sort of investment so important to you? And you can see the easy answer would be it should be important to everybody, which I think is true, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. And you really seem to prioritize that. Why is that? I think that's the gospel going into the future, going into the place where I can't go. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I want to be a faithful evangelist, part of what that means is the Second Timothy two two. You know, mm-hmm. uh, 
where I've, I've got to think not only about me preaching the word, but I've got to think about, you know, a Timothy preaching the word, mm-hmm. and then a Timothy teaching the word to somebody else, mm-hmm. and the Timothy picking somebody to teach the word to who will themselves in turn turn and teach somebody else. Yeah. So I think as ministers of the gospel, especially, we've got to have that kind of thoughtfulness about our gospel witness going into the future. Not that it's my gospel witness, but mm-hmm. the gospel witness going to the future and what can we do to help that? What are some of the ways that you're intentional about drawing? So that obviously your interns are reading and they're writing papers. Yeah. So maybe talk just a little bit about what the internship consists of, but, but maybe specifically, what are the ways that you're intentional about making deposits into their lives, spending time with them? What do you draw them into in your own daily life and schedule? Well, to be clear, the the internship would be a small part of this. What I care much more about is that in our congregation, there's Mm -hmm. a culture of discipling. Yeah. So our internship will involve 12 guys a year. Okay. We have a thousand members in our church. Yep. So I would like the church to be marked by people having deliberate conversations with each other, being honest, transparent, vulnerable, uh, not scared to speak about spiritual matters. I'm fine from talking about the Redskins. I'm fine mm-hmm. from talking about the weather and their kids. That, yeah. That's all good. Yeah. I would also like them to talk about God, about Jesus, about what they're struggling with, about what they've just been overjoying reading in Scripture, mm-hmm. what they don't understand about the Lord or about mm-hmm. some passage. I would like all those things to be naturally talked about. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I've got to do that myself. And that means just beginning to pray for, set examples throughout the congregation of guys and, and girls who are doing this. Mm-hmm. And perhaps getting some public testimonies going, or just uh, uh, I wrote a book called Discipling mm-hmm. uh, that came out last year, that, where I talk about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So that's the internship is like a subset of a subset of that culture of discipling. Okay. But the overall banner is every local church should be marked not by programs for discipling, but by a culture of discipling. Yeah. And by discipling, I don't mean discipleship. Discipleship is you and me following Jesus. Yeah. Discipling is a particular part of my discipleship in which I am trying to help somebody else follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you draw, so, but you have, maybe talk a little bit about some of the, what are some of the specific ways that you're spending time with people doing that over the course of a week? Uh, talking to people when I see them, I'm, you know, pretty, it's, that's pretty, pretty easy for me to do by personality. Mm-hmm. Um, answering emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have staff meeting for the pastoral staff every Tuesday. Okay. So the pastoral staff that I work with, we're going to spend a couple hours together in the morning on okay. Tuesday. We'll plan our services together on Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. 2.30 in the afternoon. I've already planned them, but we'll review them with the pastoral staff and the interns. Uh, we'll think through the services, maybe sing through the hymns or part of the hymns with the service leader, uh, trying to think of, do we need to change anything, change the order, change the hymn, change the scripture reading. Um... Wednesday night, I'm teaching Bible study. Wednesday afternoon, I'll, I'll, I'll often, the midday Wednesday, do conference calls with pastors. Um, Thursday morning is our intern discussion. So mm-hmm. that's where the interns sit literally at this table with me and yep. the staff, all the pastoral staff here sitting in the outside circle. Okay. And we'll spend three hours talking about what they've read in the previous week. I've read their papers, so I'm using those papers to guide me through that conversation. Okay. And um, yeah, it's a good conversation, usually. Is that I'm s- not done. Okay, oh, uh, I'm on Thursday, and I'm. You can interrupt to me a hundred times. Come on, I've now. Tried I got to get this, an- I gotta get, I right, this answer get through, and then you can keep going. <laughs> uh, Thursday uh, afternoon, once a month, there'll be an invitations meeting where the senior pastoral staff will help me sort through invitations I've gotten and trying okay. to think through what to take, what not to take. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday nights, every other week, is going to be an elders meeting. Mm-hmm. 
and the elders obviously meet, but then we have non-elder pastoral staff there to observe. Mm -hmm. They don't talk and they don't have a vote, but they're Mm -hmm. there observing. Okay. Except for the executive session, which would be just the elders for particularly sensitive matters. Uh, Friday, I'm working on my sermon, and I love for guys to be in here when I'm working on my sermon. I might bounce questions off of them. Uh, Saturday, I'll do a lunch with five folks trying to think through application for my sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Saturday night, I'll read my sermon out loud to you know five or ten folks who come to my study. And I'll read the intro, go around, get feedback to make it better. So Caleb, who's sitting over there reading right now, an intern, he helped me make it better Sunday, uh, Saturday night by insisting on the outline being better. So it's not a very good outline, not very clear. Mm-hmm. He was right. So after I read through the whole sermon, I then went back and tried to, we all tried to clarify the outline together. Mm-hmm. Sunday, I gather with the congregation both in the morning for the morning service, which is the main teaching, and then evening, which is our prayer time. Mm-hmm. Sunday night at 9.30, the staff, pastoral staff and the interns gather to review the day together. All the course seminar classes at 9.30, the 10.30 morning service, and the 5 p.m. evening service. I think I've now <clears throat> answered your question. Okay, good. Well, I was going to wait until I was yeah, given, yeah. given permission you to move along. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned on Saturday you meet with five people to work through your application. and people that... Go to the restaurant where we just were. Okay. Sit in one of those booths for about very two good. and a half hours. Get the salmon with nothing on it. Yep. Yep. That was very good. Yep. So you meet and you work through your application. People that are not not familiar with you as a preacher may not be familiar with your application grid. Yeah. Could you just explain a little bit of, because that, is that the document that you're working through when you meet with uh, guys to talk through that? It is. And explain a little bit about what your application grid is and why you use that. It's uh, just on a piece of paper. I draw lines across for however many points I have, then columns down. One for what's unique in salvation history about this passage, this point of the passage. What did this say to the non-Christian? What did this say about our lives at work, about issues of gender, marriage, family, children, to the individual Christian, which I think the only category most evangelicals preach, Mm -hmm. and then on the right-hand side to Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Okay. Now, all those applications that we generate will not then be in the sermon. Okay. It's like a studied systematic meditation. Yeah. Some of those things will make it in. And okay. it will help me meditate on the passage. Okay. But does it help you think through all of the various people in your congregation yeah. by having that lens in front uh, of you? I'm, I'm not sure. I try to do that. I'm not yeah. sure that exercise particularly does that. Okay. It gives me some help in that. Okay. But yeah, I'll sometimes take my membership directory, which is, uh, keep it in my Bible. It's the most okay. important book I have except for my Bible. Okay. These are the people who Hebrews 13 tells me I'm going to give account for, unlike you three. Yeah. And, um, you know, I will be thinking about you know, what, what does this mean in Jared's life? Mm-hmm. What does this mean in Kyle's life? What does it mean in Josh's life? That's great. Um, yeah, and sometimes I get good ideas through that. Yeah. So the bulk of your writing has, is all on the topic of the local church yeah. and how That's to right. do that more effectively. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is literally the most difficult conversation I've ever had in my life. I'm sorry, man. Did <laughs> James think, not warn you about this? I don't this? think that you're sorry. Were you, were you not warned about this? Just because you say sorry does not um, mean that you actually feel You're probably any a good dad, aren't you? You whatsoever. are probably a good dad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> so you write a lot on the local church, to the local church. Yeah. When you survey the landscape, which I know is very diverse. Yeah. What are some of the biggest concerns that you have? Um, or a lot of uh, I don't think most pastors know what a church is. Okay. I think they don't know if a youth group or the Lord's Supper is more important. They don't know if baptism or band is more important. Mm-hmm. They just they don't they don't know. Nobody's ever yeah. taught them. They were taught, but they weren't taught by their previous pastor. They weren't taught at seminary. I think most pastors do not know what a church is. Okay. So. And what would you recommend 
Um, if you have if somebody's listening and they're like, well, I've never really even thought about that. Where would I even start to begin? I mean, do you where would you point them? You could just go through an exercise for six months. Say, I'm going to read through the New Testament and write down in a notebook everything I see about the local church. Mm-hmm. You could read my book that's just called The Church. Mm-hmm. Um, you could read just about any book written by a Protestant evangelical over 100 years old uh, on the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you could read Ed Clowney's book, The Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Anything else you'd like to add to that? No. <laughs> Go to the Nine Marks website. Check yes. it out. NineMarks.org. Great website. Are you still doing your interviews? You mean where I interview somebody else? Yeah. Very occasionally. I just interviewed everybody I wanted to interview. No, yeah. some of them are dead. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I You're, don't know. You know, I, it takes a lot of time. It takes me three to four hours to prepare an interview. Yeah. So I'm wishing that I would have invested seven, eight, nine, ten hours <laughs> to prepare for this. You're doing great, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. You're doing I great. I really feel that. Awesome. <laughs> Well, can we talk about politics for a second? We can try. We can try, yeah, because <laughs> that's going well. So you are right here in the heart of D.C. I mean, literally can see the Capitol building yep. from the roof of your church. Yep. I know in talking to, especially in our current political climate, a lot of pastors are really wrestling with how to effectively speak into political issues uh, in the local church. And I was wondering for you, being in, you're in a unique context in which to do that, being right here in D.C., how are you careful to do that, intentional about doing that? What are the things that you think through without crossing over lines into telling people specifically, here's who you should vote for, things like that? What are the things, what issues do you engage on? Just any advice that you would give to pastors being engaged in political discourse right now, maybe specifically from the pulpit? Let me say more broadly, I like Robert Benny's book, Good and Bad Thinking About Religion and Politics, okay. B-E-N-N-E, Robert Benny. Okay. You can listen to an interview I did with him on the Nine Marks website. Okay. Uh, you know, as far as practically what pastors should talk about, I think you just want to be careful. If you don't want to start sounding like the evening news broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, you do in your pastoral prayer want to pray about things going on in the world. Uh, I prayed yesterday for persecuted Christians in Egypt. I prayed for human rights and religious freedoms in Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prayed for students as they return to to school this fall, especially mm-hmm. those at UVA. Uh, yeah. At the time of this taping of this interview, there was just a a march and a counter march that got a lot of publicity uh, mm-hmm. in Charlottesville. Um, that was uh, ostensibly over the taking down of a statue of Robert E. Lee, but it, the the subtext was it was a a white supremacist group on the one hand and those pushing back afterwards and. Uh, the president uh, made a difficult situation, I think, more difficult by seeming to say there's evil on both sides or bad on both sides, mm-hmm. and he was pretty ambiguous the way he defined both sides. Yeah. So anyway, there, there are painful situations like that that happen uh, that you know you, you need wisdom to address. I think it'd be wrong not to address it. Uh, I think you could easily over-address it and make it sound like all the gospel is is just kind of trying to play catch up with whatever public sins are in view when I think we're about a lot more permanent and certain things Mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. So on the topic of our current president, people are very polarized regarding their thoughts and convictions about him. And it seems like Christians in particular, you have two extremes where some Christians are prone to uh, be hesitant to even critique some of his decisions, some of the things that he says and does others demonize, how do we, uh, as Christians, be able to 
um, honor him as an authority, pray for him, and want the best for him and his leadership of our country, but also be willing to critique when he says and does things that he should not or are certainly not in line with uh, God's word. Uh, any thought about that? Well, I think, I think there may be a lot of Christians who are waking up to the fact that they're not in a Christian country. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage them to have realized that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think Paul spent a lot of time telling about the bad things that the emperor was doing. Yeah. I mean, it just, wait, who was assuming that this guy's on our side? Yeah. Now, I have a Romans 13 assumption that even the most evil of governments will do some good. Mm-hmm. They almost can't help it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the preacher of the gospel needs to be pretty careful about the way he chooses to use the audience and the hearing that he's been given because he's not been given it fundamentally for his thoughts on how to renovate the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. He's been given the platform he has because God's people need to know God's word. Mm -hmm. How do you, what are the things that you pray for him most specifically? Uh, You mean in a pastoral prayer? Sure. Yeah. I'll pray for the kind of things I'm preaching about. I'll pray Mm -hmm. for people who are in need. I'll Mm -hmm. pray for the weak, the ill, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll pray for those who are grieving and mourning. I'll pray for people who work in our city. I'll mm-hmm. pray for immigrants. I'll pray for those in authority. We're told to in, by Paul and the pastorals. Uh, that'll be local officials, state officials, uh, national officials. I'll pray for officials in corporations. I prayed for officials in, in the entertainment industry yesterday. I'll pray for members of our congregation. I'll pray for some by name. I'll pray for categories like elders' wives. Mm-hmm. I'll pray for pastors who are sent out from us who are uh, pastoring now in London or Portland or across the river in Alexandria. Um, I'll pray for missionaries that we support. I'll pray for gospel work in various countries. I'll pray for other evangelical churches by name, often of other denominations, to try to make it clear that we're about more than just yeah. our particular denomination. Um, I'll especially pray for persecuted Christians. Uh, I'll pray for countries and uh, churches rather in our country to be characterized by certain things. I'll pray for our own congregation. I'll often pray through the points of my sermon, though I don't tell people I'm doing that, as the very last part of my pastoral prayer. Okay. And you said in the car, I think that your pastoral prayer usually lasts around 10 minutes? Five would be short, 10 would be long. Okay. It's probably like 9 to 11 normally. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's a long prayer. Yeah, and our prayer praise can be like three to six minutes and prayer yeah. confession, three to six minutes. They can be long. We don't have any set times for yeah. any of these. I'm just saying that's how long they tend to yeah. be. Yeah. But, you know, I just think it's so many times these days, if you want to hear the Bible read in public or a prayer in public, you need to go to a Catholic church. Yeah. And I'd like evangelical churches to stop yeah. it with the lights being turned off, the music being loud, singing for 30 minutes and preaching for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like uh, there's just so much more to be done. Like hearing the word read. Yeah. Like praying. Mm-hmm. So the, the line I use with pastors is, you know, Spend so much time in your public service in prayer mm-hmm. that it bores the people who only pretend to know God. Hmm. You know that's good. So, so you've been here since 1994, which um, by current standards is a pretty long time to yeah. be able to be in one place for yeah. that long. Yeah. Um, no tenor of that time uh, comes without having to wade through an immense amount of difficulty and challenges. So, would you? mind talking about a, a, maybe a particular season of difficulty or an obstacle to your pastoring here, your leadership here, and how you have gone through 
a couple of decades of that now without burning out to the extent of either needing to move on or walking away from ministry? What have been some keys to keeping your own heart and leadership healthy all of these years in one place? Um, do you want family, staff, or members? Pick. Pick a category. Let's do family. Uh, a couple of pointed things there. Uh, one of our children, uh, just very evidently not a believer, uh, evidently decided to live not as a believer after mm-hmm. they were out of our home, mm-hmm. um, and dealing with that just internally mm-hmm. and then in the family, but then also you know, talking to the elders mm-hmm. and the church about that who knew this person. Um, yeah, that was challenging. Everybody was wonderful about it, mm-hmm. but it was challenging. Uh, and then, you know, my wife has cancer. She's had thyroid cancer for three and a half years now. Her thyroid was removed, but there's just all kinds of knock-on things that happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's changed what she uh, is able to do. Mm-hmm. So relearning a bit how to do some parts of ministry without us being able to schedule things ahead of time mm-hmm. is challenging. So yeah. those would be two examples. What would be some of the, when you've gone through maybe specific to ministry challenges, whether issues within the staff or within the church, pastoral burnout seems to be a bigger and bigger topic. It's happening to more and more pastors. How have you, what is it, how do you maintain joy in what it is that you do without being so weighed down by all of those things that are so common in ministry? Well, for me, I'd say you think about heaven a lot. You know, I love the afterlife. I love the thought of being with the Lord. Um, I know it's not fashionable these days, mm-hmm. but it's, I think, biblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's be good if we start just seeing about heaven again, like our mm-hmm. grandparents used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's platonic. I don't think it's escapist. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it means you don't care about people today. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't care about the poor. It doesn't mean you don't want to evangelize. It just means, you know, even as Jesus endured the, the cross for the joy set before him, that's what we do. You know, yeah. we endure the cross for the joy set before us. Yeah. So that joy, we've got to keep setting before us yeah. in our hymns and our songs and our devotionals and what we read and feed our souls with and what we notice in the word, what we talk about. Yeah, that's good. Before I uh, begin to conclude our time, is there anything else that you would like to say? <laughs> it's it's kind of cool that it's getting dark right now. And this is, is the day of the eclipse. Is the eclipse happening this as we This is the speak? total eclipse. Yeah. Now we are not in the zone of totality. We're not in that, but uh, we'll get you know, partial. I, I think we're getting like seventy-five or eighty percent. That's a big deal. Yeah, I just we got the cloud cover. Right. We'll, we'll go up to the roof of the church and see what we find. All right. Well, let's do that. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for all of your writing Thanks, and uh, your openness and accessibility. We appreciate it very much. Our thanks to Mark Dever and thanks to you for listening to In the Room. Uh, a couple of ways uh, that you can uh, stay connected. One would be to follow us on social media. Uh, I'm at, uh, you can find all the episodes of In the Room uh, on my blog at ryanhugley.com. And then also you can uh, follow me on social media at, at Ryan Hughley, H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. There you go. You can follow me at Scott Holthouse, H-O-L-T-H-A-U-S. Yes. And then uh, lastly, one thing that would be super, super helpful is if you enjoy In the Room and you have not already, if you were to pop over to iTunes and to leave us a review, that helps us get the word out and to help more people be able to enjoy this mind-bending, life-altering content that we produce on In The Room. That's what it is. That's what it is. In The Room, altering lives since 2015. 
That's, is that was that, that that was the launch year? I don't know. It's the first year. I, I, I'm pretty sure, and so that's what I thought of. Yeah, so. that sounds good to me. All right, thanks for listening. Join us next week for Scott's conversation with Aaron Ivy.